You're listening to the Every Student, Every Day podcast with me, Jim Franchini, superintendent of the Averill Park Central School District. Hello, this is Jim Franchini, and thank you for tuning in to the Every Student, Every Day podcast. Very excited for our guest today. We've had on in the past uh, our coaching staff, members of our coaching staff. We've had student athletes on, but we've not yet talked to our director of athletics. And we thought as we begin a new school year, that we'd ask uh, our athletic director, Mark Budniak, to join us just to answer some questions and talk about uh, what's going on in the world of athletics as we open up 21-22. So, Mark, thank you for joining us. Welcome. Thank you for having me. You want to start off by maybe just telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in athletics. What led you to this, this career path? Sure. I think even at a young age, probably back in middle school, I, my fifth grade uh math teacher, Pat Snyder, he was the uh, varsity boys basketball coach over at Maple Hill. And he asked me and another kid in class to be the team managers. So for two years in fifth and sixth grade, I was the team manager for the uh, varsity boys basketball team. And we uh, you know, got to travel on the bus with the team, going to the locker room at halftime. And um, so basically I've been involved with, you know, interscholastic athletics since almost fifth grade. Uh, you know, obviously I played sports in high school then I went on to Siena and um, my sophomore year at Siena, I coached a CYO basketball team. And then um, that summer going into my junior year at Siena, um, Jim Kanatica, who was the athletic director at the time at Maple Hill, he was also the athletic director when I was there, asked me if I would be interested in coaching the JV girls basketball team at Maple Hill. And his exact words were, there will be no pressure on you whatsoever. They went 0-20 last year, just win one game. Um, so, and it, my first thought was, I've never coached, I've never coached in the high school level. I've never coached girls. This will be interesting. And uh, so I, I took him up on his offer. So I coached, uh, ended up coaching JV basketball for uh, six years at Maple Hill and ultimately the varsity team for seven. But at that time, I wasn't even considering going into education. Um, I was majoring in marketing and management at Siena, and luckily um, I ended up liking coaching and I was able to get my uh, business ed certification while I was at Siena in the, in the last two years and then ultimately ended up with a job at Maple Hill teaching business um, and coaching basketball. And then I fell into the AD job there as well as at a smaller school, you know, it's a halftime position. So I was teaching halftime starting in 2009 and was the AD the other half, plus coaching basketball still. Um, so that kind of led me up to 2014 when I applied for the job here and interviewed with Dr. Hoffman and was lucky enough to land at Avril Park, and I've kind of been here ever since. Very interesting. So that was uh, my next question, actually, involved your coaching experience. So as a fun fact, you coached Maple Hill, as you mentioned, the girls' program, but you also had a section two record 128 consecutive league wins. Definitely an improvement, I guess, from that year before you took over. And it was breaking uh, Shenandoah's record of 112 wins in a row. Do you miss coaching? Is it a very different role you're in now? I, I get asked that question a lot. And uh, I guess it depends on the day. Um, I don't miss the, I don't miss being in the gym six days a week from November through March and then all the off season stuff. Um, what I miss is the, the, the relationships with kids. Obviously 
when you're coaching a team, those relationships are a lot closer than as the director of athletics where you're administering an athletic program and you're bouncing from team to team, game to game. You don't have your own team. So I do miss the relationship with kids. I miss, you know, the, the coaches I worked with. We had a great coaching staff at Maple Hill. Um, but it's been I've been really lucky here where, you know, obviously the sport I coached was basketball. I did coach JV girls tennis for two years well, and I coached uh, boys modified track and field for two years at Maple Hill, but my uh, primary sport I coached was basketball. So working here with Coach Oregon and Coach Puglisi, uh, you know, it's great to work with them and they'll, you know, they'll come into my office and, you know, ask me how I would handle something. So I still feel like I'm, you know, dipping my toes in the water of still staying with, uh, you know, with basketball. And I'm currently the section two girls basketball coordinator. So again, uh, keeping, dipping my toes in the water there, staying uh, in touch with basketball and what's going on in section two. It's funny, the, I think if you talk to anyone who's gone through the ranks in education and started out in teaching and has moved into more of an administrative role, when you ask that question, you always get the same answer. It's uh, inevitable. It's the relationships with kids. I think we all get into it because of that and having a, an impact and a direct effect on, on students. And when you move into that administrative role, that impact or the opportunity to impact uh, students gets less in some ways and greater in others. I remember when I first got into admin, the assistant principal who I had at the time said to me when I asked him a question, how, how, do you, um, how do you make up for that, that, that connection with your students in the classroom? And he said, well, look at it this way. When you're in a classroom, you have a really, really strong, direct impact on a group of kids. If you move to administration, you have less of an impact, but it's on more kids. And as you, know, you get into the building administration, you can impact the uh, education and the experience of an entire building of students, not to the same degree as you do with those 25 students in your classroom, but on a, on a bigger level. I think in your, your role, very similar. I mean, when you're coaching a team, there's nothing quite like that group of kids that you're working with for a year or two or three, whatever it is over time. But in this role, you really can impact the program as a whole, So, which is a nice segue to our next question because one of the things that you began here was our athletic hall of fame just a few years ago and we're recording this before the event is going to take place which is on uh, saturday september 11th but will be uh it'll drop after that date as we're going to induct two classes on that day how has the athletic hall of fame venture been received by alumni current students the community can you talk a little bit about that yeah, it's been great. Um, when I first got here back in 2014, uh, June McGilfrey and Mike Malifant and Dick Abatello kind of approached me and said they'd really like to get a Hall of Fame off the ground. And, you know, being a, a new administrator here in the district, it wasn't the top priority, but, you know, we were kind of working behind the scenes. And then, you know, ultimately we inducted our first class in April of 2018. Uh, so, you know, the year, year and a half prior to that, we really started uh, getting it off the ground um, with the help of, you know, like I said, June McGilfrey and Mike Malenfant and Dick Abatel. They have a lot of institutional knowledge of the district and everything, and more specifically, uh, the athletic program. And our first two our first two ceremonies we had at the Hilton Garden Inn in Troy were absolutely amazing. Um, it, went, it, went, it went off great. Um, unfortunately, we were not able to induct the class of 2020 and 21. Uh, when they were scheduled to be because of the pandemic. So normally we induct, we have the induction ceremonies in uh, April, 
Uh, but this year we're having it, as you said, on September 11th, we're inducting the class of 2020 and the class of 2021. So we'll have 12 inductees uh, this coming Saturday. We have about 150 people scheduled to come. Um, should be another should be another great evening. And, you know, it's it's nice because it seems like it's growing every year uh, because you have, you know, obviously you induct people and they decide to come back to the next ceremony. More people start hearing about it. More people start nominating people. Just a little plug for those that are listening. Uh, the nominations for the class of 2022, that nominating period is open from September 15th through November 15th. So if anyone wants to nominate anyone, and it can be a former player, it can be a coach, uh, it could be just a contributor. And actually starting in 2020, teams are eligible as well uh, to be inducted. So we may next April be inducting our first team into the Hall of Fame. That's great. And that, that's a great thing for us to have. And you mentioned some um, Avril Park uh, royalty there, June McGilfrey. Uh, Dick Abitello and Mike Malenfant, a lot of institutional knowledge, a lot of uh, passion and commitment to this district. So it's great to hear about their involvement in getting this underway. You and I, Mark, had many conversations during the pandemic, and I felt like you were kind of the, uh, the utility player. Uh, obviously, the pandemic took us out of our lane quite a bit, and it seemed like anytime we needed something, like, hey, maybe Mark can help out with this. Can you talk to some folks about some of the different things you did and, and your department did over the past year and a half, COVID testing, uh, our food program, all those type of things? What, what were some of the things you've been doing during this pandemic time for EP? Yeah, sure. Uh, when the pandemic first hit, uh, one of the first things, you know, you kind of charged me with doing was to um, uh, coordinate the meal delivery service for families and students in the district. So along with myself and uh, the athletic department secretary, Monica Shoup, and our athletic trainer, Rachel Brown, um, we really uh, worked with um, Colleen Wise in the food services and Mark Primo and his staff over at transportation to make sure that uh, those students who needed meals on a daily basis uh, were, getting those, were getting those meals. So we would be here in the mornings when the uh, meals got, you know, the food was getting delivered and then making sure that they were going in the proper bags and everything and go, then ultimately going on the uh, proper buses to get delivered to uh, our students' homes. So we, we basically did that from when the pandemic hit through the rest of that school year. And it was, you know, it was probably one of the most rewarding things I think I've done in my administrative career, just because there was so many people involved with it and the coordination it took. And I think, you know, it really made a difference for those folks in the community. Uh, and then obviously last year we were able to start sports back up. Uh, those high risk sports though, didn't start back up until um, February 1st, I believe it was last year. And as a district, we decided that we were going to um, test COVID test our high risk student athletes. So we started off in the winter with, you know, ice hockey and boys and girls basketball and wrestling and um, competitive cheerleading. We tested all of them and then moved on to the fall two season, uh, which was uh, for us the high risk sports in the fall two season were football and girls volleyball. And again, another coordinated effort. We couldn't have done it without, um, you know, the three school nurses, Rebecca Everett, Val Miller and Kate Giuliano, and then Monica Shoup and Rachel Brown. They were the ones that every morning 
well, I think in the winter we did it five mornings a week, and then it was three mornings a week in the fall two season. But they were the ones every morning getting here at seven o'clock, dressing in full PPE and doing all of the testing. Uh, my job was kind of easy just to coordinate a little bit of it and then send in the results afterwards. But they were really the um, the boots on the ground, so to speak, uh, doing doing all the testing. And happy to say we tested over 900 student athletes and coaches uh, last season. We did not we did not have one positive. So that's really a credit to our our coaching staff and our student athletes and also their parents for uh you know abiding by all the protocols and making smart decisions throughout this pandemic and yesterday we picked right back up with uh testing again we tested the high-risk student athletes here at the high school and today we are testing those students at the middle school because obviously this year we started modified sports back up so we're testing them as well it's been quite an effort to get that done and I think we've talked about it publicly before. Our district was certainly at the forefront of testing in terms of the number of students and the number of times we were testing, and, and thankfully went well. In the spring, because of the way last year went, we the, the section moves or the state athletic association moves seasons around. So we had girls volleyball and football at the same time back in the spring, and now they're back out on the field and on the in the gym just a few months later. What has that been like, especially for those student athletes who have really gone from season to season rather quickly? Yeah, I think it's different. You know, I just talked to Coach Goble, who coaches our football team, and Coach Fairchild, who coaches our girls' volleyball team, about this in the past few weeks. I, I said to Coach Fairchild, he was getting ready for his match, and I said, doesn't it seem like we were just here? And we really were. You know, it was the, it was the end of April, beginning of May, when we finished the volleyball and football season. And we started back up in August. So it was really only a couple month break. Um, you know, I, I think it was I think it was kind of good for the student athletes, especially those student athletes that were returning. Uh, they were able to it was almost just basically like a continuation of their season. Um, and there was a short off season there, which was good. I think everybody probably needed a little break, but then they picked right back up and we're right back into it again. What, as you talk about getting right back into it again, what have been some of those changes from the beginning of the pandemic to now in athletics? I mean, the biggest thing for us here at Averill Park is the testing for those high risk student athletes. As you said, we were on the forefront of in the area of testing and everything. And I think that is one of the biggest changes for those high risk student athletes is getting tested uh, weekly. And it just adds another layer of responsibility and duties to, you know, the school nurses, Monica and Rachel and everything and those, and all those that are involved with the testing. So I think that's the biggest difference. The other, the other thing is, is the masks, you know, obviously last school year, we pretty much whatever sport it was inside or outside for the most part had to wear masks. Uh, this year, luckily uh, we don't have to wear masks outside. It's only masks inside. Uh, but I think the bottom line is our student athletes and our coaches um, would do anything to have their seasons. Uh, what we don't want is to go back to, you know, uh, March two years ago when uh, we had the spring seasons canceled. Uh, we want to give everybody an opportunity to play their seasons. And like I said, I think the coaches, student athletes, they're being smart with their decisions. Um, you know, we've already been through this for more than a year. 
So I think they know how to take these precautions seriously. They know what to do to keep themselves safe. And I think that the coaches and student athlete realize that it could end any second if we don't do things smart, um, you know. And so hopefully we keep being smart and we continue throughout the fall season and we're able to move right into the winter. Obviously, the winter is a little more difficult because everything is inside. Uh, so I assume even in the winter season, we'll be wearing masks for our winter sports as well. But it's much better than the alternative. Agreed. Agreed. How have our student athletes responded to the testing and the wearing masks? I know in the classroom we've talked with principals and teachers about this, and our students really have uh, risen to the occasion. Uh, how has it been in, in athletics? It, it, it's been unbelievable. Um, you know, obviously outside last year, you know, there was times where I'd say, hey, make sure you get your mask up. Just, and sometimes you'd forget, you know, a student athlete, be, they just finish a race or something, they pull their mask down and they're, you know, drink a bottle of water and forget to put their mask back up. But overall, things have been great. Uh, they're, they're wearing their masks. They're, you know, especially those student athletes that are outside, they're remembering when they step foot in the school building, when they go to the trainer's room, a locker room, get on a school bus, you know, they remember, they always have their mask with them. They put their mask on. Um, and then th this year, you know, we have modified sports going as well. And I was just down at the middle school yesterday and those kids are great too. We had a little meeting outside with all the modified athletes. And as soon as they went to step foot in the school building, you watched them all put their masks back on. It's, it's become second nature for them right now. Um, so, I, I mean, obviously, I think they prefer not to wear a mask, but I think they're so used to it right now. Half the time, they don't even realize they have their masks on. That's great to hear. <clears throat> they really have been doing a wonderful job. Uh, so during your time here in the district, we've been very fortunate in that we've been able to add some sports. And I know you've done uh, some work with our colleagues and neighbors in terms of sports mergers. Uh, most recently, we had the girls swim team. Can you talk a little bit about the sports that have been added? And where do you see that going as we move forward in terms of expanding our offerings? Yeah, um, I think it was probably six years ago we added uh, boys and girls modified outdoor track and field. And that was the first addition since I had been here. And um, I think that's been tremendous for our track and field program because the only way for those kids to participate in track and field, which would, which would be to go through the APP process when they were in seventh and eighth grade, for those that don't know, that's the athletic placement process. Um, for exceptional seventh and eighth grade students to play at the high school level. But, uh, you know, many students maybe couldn't pass the physical fitness test or the maturity test to be able to play. So they didn't have an opportunity to participate in the sport of track and field. So by the time they got to high school, you know, I, I would say probably 12 of the other suburban council school districts at the time had modified track and field. So those school districts were ahead of us where they, those kids have had two years of learning where our student athletes were just starting to learn the sport of track and field um, as freshmen. So it's been extremely beneficial to our track and field program. Then more recently, we've, um, we have a, a, hockey, a boys ice hockey merger with South Colony, North Colony, Columbia, and Tamarack, which has been ex extremely successful. Um, we've had each year, we've had four, five, six boys be part of the, uh, the merged ice hockey team. And then most recently, 
we uh, created a merger with Troy High School. They asked us to merge. They were low on numbers. They asked if we had any interest in merging for their girls swimming team. And that was probably the most requested sport since I've been here. People asking, why don't we have this sport? Why don't we offer this sport? And my simple answer is usually we don't have a pool here at April Park. So, you know, we can't we can't have swimming and we don't even it's not like we have a YMCA close to us. Um, the closest one is the Screenbush. And, you know, Columbia had in the past approached them about uh, having a swim team and swimming there. And it just wasn't going to work with all the classes that the Y offers to be able to get swim time for high school teams there. Um, but as far as far as I get, I get student athletes that come to me all the time. Why don't we have this sport? Why don't we have this sport? And, you know, it's great to add sports, but at some point you also have to, we have to look at enrollment. There's a lot of things that play a factor in can we add a sport? And some of those are enrollment driven. You know, do we have enough sports for females and males in each season? Uh, we have to look at title nine to make sure that we're offering the same amount of opportunities for females and males. Um, you know, transportation's an issue as everyone has seen everywhere across the region, across the state and across the country, there's a shortage of bus drivers. You know, the more sports that you have, the more trips that you have, which requires more bus drivers that just realistically at this point um, aren't out there. So there's a lot that goes into it, um, whether or not to add a sport. But I think the those sports that we've talked about, the modified track and field, the boys ice hockey and the girls swimming, um, they've been very successful last year. I think we had 14 girls on the swim team over, um, merged with Troy. And this year, I think we're at nine. So it's pretty much been half Troy and half Averill park, which is great. A lot of additions. And I think you brought up a lot of those good factors. It, it, there really are a lot of variables that we have to take into consideration before we add including can we support it financially? Can we support it from an enrollment point of view? You know, stuff like, I remember talking about the issue at the Y and the Screenbush, like, do you have a facility that you can use and use regularly? And transportation is a huge issue right now. So there's a, a ton of things that we have to factor in, uh, but we do try to keep those doors open. So we're providing as many opportunities as we can for students, which perfect segue to our last question. The name of our podcast and our last question deals with our mission statement. So for you, Mark Bubiak, what does every student every day mean to you? I think every student every day from an athletic perspective means that either myself or our coaches or somebody involved in the athletic department makes contact with all of our student athletes every day and i think that happens pretty much every day obviously if student athletes are in season if you're a girls soccer player you're seeing coach luskin six days a week right now that's easy but even those student athletes that are they're in their off season you know our coaches constantly are reaching out to our student athletes giving um, affording them opportunities to work in the off season whether it's weight room time whether it's open gym time whether it's even just suggesting a club or travel team to play with, or it can be as simple as walking down the hallway and saying hello, you know, or, or one of our coaches being outside their classroom. And as, you know, a student athlete walks by or any student, frankly, walks by ju ju just saying hello. And you never know what a student or student athlete is going through that day. And just by saying hello, that might make their day. 
So I think that's kind of what every student every day means to me. And I think that really was clear and, and very evident during the pandemic, the, the influence anecdotally that we know our coaches were having on our student athletes, even when we weren't playing sports, that connection, that advice, that mentorship, that guidance, so crucial. And, and we're very fortunate here with the quality of the coaches that we, we have in our district, really outstanding people who are in it for the right reasons and are doing it to benefit kids and to help kids out. So, well, Mark, thank you very much for taking some time out. I know you're about to head out to the field. So thank you for getting us some time here and sharing uh, your experiences here in our district and uh, communicating that with our listeners. So thanks very much. And have a great afternoon. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. See you next time on Every Student, Every Day. Thank you.